everybody. Welcome to the Legendary Tales podcast. I'm your host, Adam Bloor, and as always, I am joined by Isadora Martin Dye. Hello, people. If, all new listeners. All new listeners. If this is your first time Not tuning in, welcome. Yeah. If this is not your first time, welcome back. It's or, very lovely to see you again. Or, or if you found us by listening because you wanted to know why people were singing songs about Rasputin. That's awesome. Um, and you've decided to stick around. We appreciate you. Our podcast has nothing to do with the song. And for everybody that uh, has been a loyal listener to before they heard of, that Rasputin was a real historical figure, we really, really appreciate you. Yeah, but if this is your first time tuning in, uh, this is the podcast where we talk about all things legendary. Starting with our roots, talking about cryptids and creepy things, and all the way up to today where we talk about pirates and famous buildings and ecological disasters. Yeah, it's evolved. We just like all good things. We just cover lots of stuff. Um, I think this week we're doing a bit of a pop culture episode, at yeah. least Isadora is. Um, but before we get started, I have a bit of a corrections corner. We have some general housekeeping this yeah, week. Yeah, I want to thank Beth McDonald, um, who sent in a very lovely correction to our ghost... Crime. Ghost crime, our supernatural crime yeah. episode. Um, firstly, we would like to thank you, Beth, for, for the lovely words that you said. And then also for the corrections that you sent in, because we really appreciate it. Um, Guys, we love it when we hear... Like, we cannot possibly... If you are into a subject like Beth is into this, yeah, like we cannot possibly know as much as somebody who's done. Mm. We're here to give you like a a quick a marshmallow quick, overview, not yeah, like a nitty gritty no, full meal. We really appreciate this um, this sort of stuff. So the corrections that she sent in was that the victim's name was Mariah, and she. This is about the red barn. Yeah, this is, so this was specifically about the one. For those following at home, I have a very annoying dog. If you didn't know that already, <laughs> you probably didn't because they get edited out a lot. Yeah. So this is specifically about the Red Barn portion of the episode, which was the portion that I covered. Um, and firstly, the first correction is that the victim's name was Mariah. She mentions as Mariah Carey, not Maria. However, Mariah was the precursor to Maria in the United Kingdom. Um, the, that... The second correction is that the red barn was locally known as such because it was isolated in a field, and when the sun set, it turned the barn a red color, and the locals feared it as a sign of bad luck, but it was a popular place for lovers to meet. I like that. I like that it was a sunset barn. Yeah, it's kind of romantic. I think it's still there as well. William Corder wasn't in love with Maria, per se. They'd had a fling and obviously slept together. However, he didn't fully believe the child was his. But she was besotted with him, and allegedly this is why he killed her. I will say that I didn't believe that anybody that kills another person is actually in love with them. <laughs> no, uh, generally I wouldn't. No, I would think that your love would hopefully overtake your want to murder a person. Yeah. But thank you, Beth uh, McDonald, again for should we? I should. I, I probably shouldn't say her last name, should I? I don't know. She's on Instagram. Yeah. Well, thank you, Beth, um, for presenting those corrections. I hope you don't mind that I read them verbatim from your Instagram uh, DM because honestly, you couldn't have said it any better. No. Nope. Or I couldn't have said it any better. You said it perfectly. You could have said it better. I could have I could have absolutely said it better. That's why she no. told you there was better ways to phrase it. No, it's, I don't think that's how that expression works. No, I'm saying and when you first recorded the episode I you could have, have said, said it, it better. better. Um all right, I have a couple of things. One, um we have a large number of Indian listeners. In fact, our 
most listened to country is the United States. But right after that is a lot of people from India, which I think is really, really cool um, because it's a country I haven't visited yet and I really, really want to go to. So if everyone could just share this so that we have an excuse to, I don't know, go on tour and I can go to India. Hey, stop. I can dream. All right. But how we would go on tour. On a very, very serious and more important uh, topic. I just wanted to briefly touch on COVID in India because they are experiencing the worst spike of COVID-19 that the world has actually seen um, with well over 300,000 new infections reported every day, which is just horrific. insane and horrific. And it means that roughly 115 Indians are dying from the virus every hour. Um, I... Uh, I people are suffering everywhere around the world. I lost my grandmother to COVID and I've lost my business essentially to COVID right now. And people are really suffering all over. So this is not to say that one thing is worse or better suffering than another. We want to bring, if, if you haven't, because places around the world are recovering at yes. the moment and India unfortunately is not. Um, and we just wanted to bring attention to a charity, I believe, that yes. you found where you could donate if you felt yeah. so inclined. Um, which is called uh, giveindia.org. Mm -hmm. And we're going to donate to that. Um, but ourselves and if anyone else, I know money is very, very tight right now, but if anyone else has any spare change to give to that, that will really help. Um, I mean, one of the major issues is the lack of access to fresh water people have, mm. which means... I read, I think it's like 100 million uh, people in India don't actually have access to sanitary facilities. Mm -hmm. How are you supposed to wash your hands for right. the whole time that you sing Yankee Doodle Dandy or whatever they tell you if you can't actually access fresh water? Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, PPE is an issue all around the world because nobody was prepped to right. have this kind of stuff. But some of the basic things of... Uh, I'm assuming, I will also hasten to add, not the population of India that are listening to our podcast. <laughs> um, and I am definitely, as the British expression is, teaching my grandmother to suck eggs in a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of this that I'm saying. Because a lot of people will know this, but just if anyone has any spare change, giveindia.org is a fantastic place to start. Um, and, you know, there's... Yes, that. And then the last thing on a happy note before I get involved in my story, because I'm first up, Adam graduates. Yeah. Uh, he is officially a journalist by uh, me uh, medical standards. What? Uh, <laughs> what's it called? Uh, scholarly standards. Yeah. He has his, he will have his degree in journalism. I think, have you officially, is there any way you officially can't graduate now? Uh, I don't know. That's, that's the kind of dedication to his schoolwork I like. But bearing in mind, I think he's in finals week right now, and he has been shut in his bedroom, not enjoying all the joys of putting our ancient house back together, but in fact, researching and doing things on stuff like... I have no idea. I pretend to listen. I think there's some constitutional law or something in there, like freedom to speeches and... The best, the best amendment. Sure. There's some stuff in there. But he did really good. And it's only taken you how many years? Ten. It's only taken him ten years. Um, but I think it's safe to say, and it's probably a really good thing for anyone at home, which is I think you'd given up on ever getting it, hadn't you? Yeah. Like, it just wasn't even a thought to you until... Until COVID. <laughs> until COVID. Yeah. Um, but it's been kind of a big chip on your shoulder. Yes, it has. Um, 
yeah, I realize I, I am in a very privileged position to be able to go back and do it. I know a lot of people who don't complete their degrees don't have the opportunity to do so. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Good. It's good. It'll be over. Yeah. And from now on, you cannot, when you get hammeredly drunk, complain about how you didn't finish your degree. It's true. Because you finished. Yeah. Yay. Okay, so anyone who fancies going on Instagram and sending Adam massive congratulations on that, I'm going to buy him, like, a sexy, like, graduation outfit and make him put his robe on with no clothes underneath. It's the beginning of a calendar that I've got, which is (laughs) Adam in compromising positions. The Legendary Tales calendar. uh, Where it's all Adam. I'm not included. (laughs) (laughs) That seems fair. (laughs) Okay, or oh, most of our listeners are female. Okay, Come that's on. fine. Though. Okay, uh, all right. I am doing, well, okay, so I don't know if Adam saw this last night, but I put a poll out last night on our Instagram. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, now is the time to start doing it to ask whether I should do uh, The Childhood of Prince Philip, which is actually a story which has really kind of resonated with me and hit me before um, he passed away last week. But uh but generally, mm-hmm. or should I do the story of Queen Charlotte, who is characterized or characteristed in Bridgerton? Yeah. Um, I will say the poll was 50-50. Because two people voted. No. Oh. Okay, a lot of people voted. Uh, but the poll was 50-50 as of when I sat down to start recording this half an hour ago, but while we were busy checking Beth McDonald's comment, I mm. noticed that it has actually shifted in favor of Prince Philip. Ah, However, shame. I did Princess Charlotte. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> well, no one gets what they want. Uh, the so I'm sure it will shift back again, but I will do Prince Philip. I already have actually most of the research done on that one, so we will do Prince Philip at one point Yeah, because his early childhood was pretty horrific um, and you couldn't write it. So, mm. uh, But what I'm doing is... Uh, Charlotte, Queen Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So she is uh, portrayed by, and this is where I get the name wrong, Golda Rochevel, which I think might actually be right, who is placed the queen in Bridgerton. Um, And she describes her as wealthy, dirty rich, addicted to snuff, devoted to her family, loves to gossip, and divinely in love with her husband who is slowly going mad. Which, honestly, I could just leave the story at that. It pretty much sums her up. But she is a iconic, an iconic. Charlotte? Yes, in Bridgeton particularly. But up until Prince Philip was also the country's longest consort, reigning consort. Mm. So uh, she's a, a pretty, she should be much more of an iconic character than she is. Mm-hmm. I think that she's rather overlooked as a queen. Okay. I, d- I mean, did you know there was a Queen Charlotte? Yeah, I was about to say that I had no idea. Okay, so I think that she's come to the forefront of certainly uh, people who aren't British historians, like myself, mm-hmm. um, because uh, Golda in uh, Bridgeton portrays her in this absolutely irreverent manner, mm-hmm. which is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start... Oh, wait, except for the fact that I should point out that Golda is black. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to the race question as we get a little further through. Okay. So, Charlotte was born to the Duke and Duchess... Oh, sources. History Extra, um, an article by Catherine Curzon, Marie Claire, an article by Andrea Park, 
the Seattle Times, um, a website called Georgian Papers, which has a lot of first-hand accounts, which was really interesting, and Vogue. So Vogue's good. weird collection of sources for me today. Um, so she was born in a principality of Germany called mecklenburg Streis Stretzels, I don't know, in 1744. Uh, she had a normal daughter upbringing in the 1700s, which was pretty no, abysmal. No learning. No learning, uh, except for learning how to marry. Because, mm. you know. It's the most important thing a woman can do. If that's one thing that Bridgeton taught everybody, uh, young ladies of this point were raised to, to be chased and get married. <laughs> so, in 1960, uh. Uh, 1760, <laughs> God, I hate it when I do that, 22-year-old <laughs> George III succeeded his grandfather to the English throne, becoming King George III, and he was described as an unassuming, diligent bachelor, mm. and he needed a queen because, you know, as Yes. That's really all that matters. Babies. Yeah. So Princess Charlotte was put on a short list of suitable, uh, very specifically Protestant brides mm. because George III was Protestant. She was reported to have no political ambitions, to be perfectly pleasant, sweet-tempered, and that was what George needed. Um, he chose her to be his bride, and um, without ever meeting, they had what's called a proxy wedding. Oh, they sent someone, they sent like one of her hand, like handmaids. Well, it was actually happened, it was the opposite way. He sent someone to okay. Germany. Okay. Um, and That's they nice. had kind of like a proxy wedding there. Um, <laughs> and that That's a weird, I don't understand proxy weddings. I mean, it's all the contracts that signed. Yeah. Is that still a thing you can do legally? Uh, I believe that there are some ways that you can do it via, well, I know you can do it via Zoom. Now, obviously, uh, Microsoft Teams. I know that there have been, I think, to do with the military, there are some ways okay. that you can have a proxy wedding, okay, uh, in the US. Of, co of course, I pose that question to you as a historian, not as someone who has owned a wedding uh, venue <laughs> for six years. <laughs> so, I think that there is a way in the wedding, I think that there are some things to do with, yes, you can, okay. Um, ultimately, yes. Ultimately, yes. In some places, under <laughs> okay. some circumstances. Okay. I cannot do one at the manor. No. Like, I couldn't just randomly pull you in and stand you up at the altar next to <laughs> You're marrying woman. her for the, on, behalf uh, on of behalf the of this man that's <laughs> halfway around the world or whatever like that. No. Okay. okay. So, um, they had a real meet cute, apparently. She arrived in London on September the 8th in 1761, which considering my appalling math is I think she was 19, so he was 23. Mm -hmm. So not like a... Not a crazy in, age in the, Compared to royal weddings, this was like... Um, and well <laughs> Yeah. Uh, she... As she exited the carriage, she went to bow to King George and she stumbled and fell and he caught her. Aww. Um they, they portray that in Bridgerton? No. Uh -huh. No. They, 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 unfortunately, Bridgerton started when he'd gone insane ah, and she was all on her own. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm telling you the love story first, uh -huh. and we'll go into kind of how Bridgerton portrayed her and stuff. So uh, within six hours, they had an official wedding where, okay. you know, both of them were present. Hmm. 
and uh, surprisingly not important. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, an unimportant factor when it comes to weddings, apparently. So I'm going to give you a little first-hand account because um, apparently she got very seasick on her poor thing on her way from Germany, oh. and she lost so much weight that her wedding dress, heavily studded with real diamonds, no longer fit her, and her purple cape kept falling off her shoulders. So, and this quote, spectators knew as much of her upper half of the king himself. Oh. So, bless her. Going, That's very unfortunate. Going back to one of our weddings, one of my favorite, favorite brides, did do a turn in the middle of her first dance, having lost a bit of weight and her strapless gown, and did, in fact, totally pop out of her gown and had the best attitude about it ever. And I like to think, by the way, that Charlotte would have done too. Mm. By all accounts, she was pretty yeah. great. Mm. Um, so, and she and they both of them charmed England. They were very popular. Mm -hmm. um, she was apparently didn't speak a word of English when she arrived and learnt very, very quickly. So I would assume quite intelligent, and but she was given strict instructions. She must never meddle in politics, um, and she was really okay with that. She just uh, she really liked Buckingham Palace, which at that point was just called Buckingham House. It had only just been bought by it uh, was bought by George the Second as basically she arrived in nineteen in seventeen sixty two, and she really liked that versus St James Palace. So she basically they had. Had they lived in Saint? You say Saint James. Saint James Palace was their official residence, okay. but actually they both basically decanted to Buckingham House, which was a much more modest. I, I use modest in terms of like it wasn't what it looks like now. It yeah. was a country house, mm -hmm. and they was London the capital of yeah okay at London's that point been the capital for a long time. Okay. They also also bought Frogmore House, which is where uh, just a little tie-in to our um, first people of colour in the royals, uh, where Prince Harry and Meghan Markle had their wedding reception, oh. also where they lived in Frogmore Cottage for a while, which was on the grounds. Um, so they had a very, like, domesticated life, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, oh, real quick, George III is also the person who uh, went to war with America, Ah, yes. And uh, <laughs> lost badly. So pol politically, we're yeah. not really going politically on this one, mm -hmm. but politically, it, it, he wasn't as successful as... <laughs> as some of the others. As some of the others. But fine, uh, like in his marriage, they were really, really happy and together. The and the public liked them. Yeah, and yeah. the public liked them. And they had a very... Um, uh, apparently, uh, I think this is a quote from... The History Extra article, they had a steady domestic routine more akin to the upper middle classes than royalty. Okay. They were um, relatable. Yeah. They had 15 children together. Wow. <laughs> yep. So that gives you a little bit idea. Um, and Charlotte often signed her letters to her husband as your very affectionate wife and friend. Aww. Um, I will say that there are, we'll kind of get to some of the letters between her and her son in a minute, but uh, there are very few letters between Charlotte and George were survived. Mm -hmm. And that is mostly because they spent most of their time together, so they didn't need to write. write. They were very rarely separated. Oh. Isn't that all? It's all very, very sweet. It's a very sweet... I'm telling you a pretty sweet story today. Yeah. Um, she was... Apparently they were... They also had a reputation for being kind of stuffy. Um, royals. 
she was quite fashionable when she arrived, but that didn't really change. Mm. Her fashions kind of got dated after a while. Um, and although they were, yeah, a little a little stuffy mm-hmm. and royal. They were generally quite light. Um, she was really, like I said, I think she was asked to stay out of politics, mm-hmm. but actually they, she was very um, an intelligent person. She actually in- hired uh, Johann Christian Bach, oh. uh, son of Johann Sebastian Bach, to be her music teacher. She invited Mozart to perform for her when she was a child. Um she often would perform musical duets with her husband. She became deeply interested in naturalism. And uh, Kew Gardens was formed, which is now the big botanical gardens. Mm-hmm. It was a fledgling project at that point, And she was really involved in making sure that all the plants were catalogued. She founded a menagerie there that mm. included the first kangaroos on British soil. And she aligned herself with a feminist movement. Mm-hmm. Um, including novelist Fanny Burney, um, writer Elizabeth Harcourt, and a philosopher, Margaret Cavendish. Um, so she was quite, I don't know. Just socially involved. Yeah, but she was also, like, interested. Uh, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like she was. I'm trying to think. I don't know what the word is. I'm blanking on word. Um, She's an advocate for some. For, for... Yeah, she was just interested. I don't yeah. think she she was not. I will say in Bridgerton, she's definitely portrayed as being into gossip and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. And but and she was. Yeah. And we'll get to that. But um she was also quite into the world in general. Mm-hmm. She wasn't just sitting she she did stay out of politics, but it wasn't through I guess that's what I'm saying. She stayed out of the politics, yeah, but it was out of respect for her husband who asked to stay out of politics, yeah. not through lack of intellect or lack of interest right. in it. Okay. Which becomes important. In a minute. Um, she kept diaries, which were quite interesting. Um, she had a lot of, like, friends, and these were not political friends. These were, like... Real friends. Real friends. <laughs> um, and... But she kept a lot of diaries, which are interesting. Uh, they're not personal diaries. It's not like, oh, George said this to me today. Mm-hmm. It's, like, very much where they were. But I just thought this was really... So this is... This is their kind of thing through uh, in February and March. Um, London, 18th to the 21st of February. Windsor, 22nd to the 24th of February. London, 25th to 28th of February. Windsor, 1st to 3rd of March. London, Windsor, London, Windsor, London, Windsor. Back and forth like eight times in the space of four weeks. Mm-hmm. And it would have taken about two and a half hours mm. Um, and they were constantly traveling, which I think is a thing that people don't understand about the royal family mm-hmm. is that they are constantly traveling mm-hmm. to do stuff. And I think it was quite exhausting. She'd talk a lot in her diaries and her letters about kind of the toll of being a working royal. Uh-huh. Um, so despite their lack of show, their court was glittering Mm. um and king and queen were very into what's known in in history but also in bridgeton as the ton and that is the upper echelon of society in london Mm -hmm. um in this period and they would give concerts they would have 
they would sit in their drawing room and receive courtiers in the drawing room uh, where their family would be. They, She was the first uh, person to host a debutante ball. Mm. So that is really accurate in wow. uh, Bridgeton. Uh, she was the first person to uh, host a debutante ball with King, J- King George, which was uh, first hosted in 1780. And that was com- to commemorate his wife's birthday, but it was hosted... Pretty much every year, not mm-hmm. every year, but up until Queen Elizabeth II, I think in the 50s or the 60s, stopped the Debbie Temples because really they are a marriage market. And I think even by the 50s and 60s, people were realizing that trotting out your uh, young <laughs> teenage daughters yeah, no, uh, was not going to be the easiest thing in the world. So uh, Van Dusten, Dusten uh, wrote of the Queen, um, Queen Charlotte afforded us an opportunity to see what true excess and decadence looked like at her time. She brings real import to the world as we get to be in some amazing spaces from her. Um, and that was, he was, by the way, this is a modern quote, not a. I have like a historical quote. quote. Or, um, yeah. So, and he, Van Dusten, by the way, was one of the people that was involved in Bridgeton um, and said that they because I've read all the Bridgeton books after I watched Bridgeton. She's not actually noted in them, so they made, in the books. Mm -hmm. So in the show, they made a deliberate choice to add her as a character. Um, And they said it was because she was very really a part of the social scene during Regency times. Um, So it actually added some real historical perspective to it. Um, So she was added in as a character, but it wasn't because of her... Um, okay, so 1788. So they've had however many blissful years of marriage, mm-hmm. um, including setting up the debutant balls and all the rest of it. And unfortunately, it was at this point when George experienced his first bout of mental illness. Um, and Mad King George, which is what unfortunately his, um, he became known as in history, started to rear his, and I will say, very ugly head. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sleepless, often violent. He made lurid accusations of adultery against Charlotte. Um, he made sexual comments about her attendance. Um, the queen began to stop eating and only slept for a few hours a night. Um, she began to tear out her hair. Um, she locked herself one night in her bedroom against the king, keeping her youngest children in the chamber. Um after he physically assaulted his adult son, the Prince of Wales, who would go on to be king. king. Um, and obviously, unfortunately, it's really hard because when your king goes mad, who is the person that tells him he can't? Mm. Um, so they did find a doctor. Um, they did find a doctor who... Uh, they didn't have the experience to treat psychological mm-hmm. uh, psychological break i mean they just they didn't. didn't they didn't have drugs like we have now and mm. things like that um but so he was eventually basically declared insane uh-huh. um and then it became who was going to be in charge and this is the period that is known as the regency period uh-huh. which is when Bridgeton is set. So Bridgeton is set during the Regency. Um, and 
there were Prince Queen Charlotte basically said, and we'll get to why, but basically said, I don't think the Prince of Wales should be in charge. I think I should be in charge. And um he, Prince Charles uh Prince Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales had a massive falling out with his mother and his father at this point. Um mainly I think because his father tried to kill him. Yep. Uh which <laughs> Yeah, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Charlotte had a better relationship with him and acted as a mediator, but she was put in charge of the regency, mm-hmm. not the Prince of Wales. Um, I'm going to read you a, co- a quote from Queen Charlotte wrote, um, how the king's government is to be administered, who provisions are to be made for replacing it in his hands and what style of dignity should be attended his person. In the meantime, are considerations upon which I can form no adequate judgment. So she basically said, I'm not getting involved. Yeah. Whoever they put in charge is who they put in charge. Um, and then Charles wrote back, I have only you, uh, I have only to add that it was not owing Lady Harcourt's presence that I said nothing particular to you and your brother, but I had nothing to, oh, no, this is Charlotte writing to her son. I have to add that not only was it not owing to Lady Harcourt's presence that I said nothing particular to you and your brother, but that I had nothing to say which confession may surprise you as it comes from a woman. Mm. Basically, like, I just have nothing to say to you. Mm. Um, The Times at the time wrote, a girl in a bottle to politics and sermon is what Prince George would always prefer. Mm. So he was known as the first gentleman of England on account of his style and manners. He was bright, clever, and knowledgeable, but he was also famously lazy and gluttonous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he wasn't a popular this is this is the Prince of Wales he was not a popular mm-hmm. person at all yeah um, so Charlotte is having a fractured relationship with her eldest son and the man that she loves desperately because it, it, although they got married by proxy they did it was definitely a love match uh-huh. eventually um, had to watch her husband get literally put in a straight uh, straight jacket in queue mm-hmm. Uh, so he couldn't hurt himself or anyone else. Um, and she got thrust into the middle of politics. Um, Charles recovered, uh, George recovered from the first bout of illness, um, came back into court mm-hmm. for a bit, took over again from Charlotte. But this, all, that first bout apparently totally affected her personality, as you can imagine it would. Mm-hmm. Um, she began to suffer from depression, developed a furious temper, um, she wouldn't let, apparently she kept all her daughters bar one at home with her as ladies in waiting. She mm. wouldn't let them marry, let them go out and do stuff. Um, uh, she declined to see the king without another person present. I'm guessing he probably had scared the yeah. crap out of her mm. during his first breakdown. Um, and uh, although she was really, she was still very, like anyone who talked to her, she was still very protective and loved the king. Mm. She just didn't want to be around him. His final mental breakdown occurred in 1810. And in 1811, the Prince Regent came to power. Now, um, the Prince Regent had married somebody else, mm-hmm. um, and but they had not liked each other at all. So actually they'd split, and, and we'll get into kind of, uh, okay, I'll do it now. Briefly, he tried to divorce her, which mm-hmm. at this point was not allowed. Well, Henry VIII had done it yeah. previous to this, but really they couldn't figure out a way for him to divorce her, so they just kind of split. Okay. But much like if you had a single 
president in the White House, you'd mm -hmm. still need a first lady. It mm -hmm. was a bit like that in court. Okay. So Charlotte stepped into that role. Mm -hmm. So even though the Prince Regent was officially running the country from a political standpoint, yeah. it was definitely very much a con combination between okay. him and his mother running, running the country. Um, and she was um, not at this point, her popularity was definitely waning. Yeah. She'd become harder, more unrelatable. Um, her son was really not liked. Mm -hmm. So I think that that reflected back on her. Mm -hmm. um, Queen Charlotte died in 1818. Um, and uh, as, as a... As the second longest reigning consort of a monarch, mm -hmm. uh, fifty three years, I think. Wow. Um, and, but, less than popular, um, she was interred at St George's Chapel, um, and actually, the king died little more than a year later and was laid to rest beside her. Um, so, I'm going to quickly tell you about her kids real quick, and then we'll go into a couple of the Bridgeton things that were true. Um, George was. Fourth was the eldest child. I've already explained. He was pretty unliked. He was extravagant. He ran them into a whole load of debt. He commissioned John Nash to build the Royal Pavilion in Brighton and remodel Buckingham Palace. So in that way, he had some good stuff. Um, and he was big into architecture and things like that. Um, he, uh, he, he was really not a great monarch. Um, he lost a lot of money. He was disliked. Um, uh, he was forced to accept Catholic emancipation. Um, and here's a little quote on April 80, 1830. The Duke of Wellington wrote, the king had consumed for breakfast a pigeon and beefsteak pie, three parts of a bottle of Moselle, a glass of dry champagne, two glasses of port and a glass of brandy, followed by a large dose of laudanum. <laughs> so he was absolutely massively obese. Mm -hmm. um, like he was known as being, yeah. uh, he was a very unpleasant human by <laughs> all accounts. Um, so he died without leaving any legitimate issue. Um, so his brother uh, inherited. His brother was generally much better he uh saw reforms of the poor law uh child labor was restricted slavery was abolished in nearly all of the british empire and the british electoral system refashioned by the reform act of um and so that basically he was his brother was the last person that was able to appoint a head of parliament that wasn't voted okay does that yeah make sense i think so um but he was also really interesting, and I'm going to just touch on him real quick. He was um, had also no surviving legitimate children mm -hmm. because he was in a relationship with a woman named Dorothea Jordan, who was an actress. I don't think she he ever thought he would become king mm -hmm. as he was down the line of succession. Yeah. So no one really had a problem with it. But he lived with her for 20 years without getting married. Wow. Um, they had uh, 10... Uh, nine legitimate illegitimate children with her mm -hmm. he had one with someone else i believe um he later married a princess once they broke up um basically because he was broken he needed to marry someone who was more wealthy mm -hmm. um he married princess adelaide um who he was apparently faithful to and they quite liked but um 
he was succeeded to the throne by Queen Victoria, who was his niece, um, because he didn't. So there are no direct lines from, just so that everyone can follow this, there are no direct lines of blood from this lot of royals to, to the, the ones, current yeah. lot of royals. However, British Prime Minister David Cameron is directly related to this line of royals mm. uh, via the illegitimate family he had with Mrs. Jordan. Okay. So kind of mm. um, just tying it all kind of back in there. All right, let's talk race, which is always awkward to do um, if you are as white as I am. Um, so many people have suggested that she is England's only queen of African heritage, although I would argue that if she was of African heritage, um, Potentially, you could argue that there are many roles now that are of African heritage mm. as they came through her line. But um, there was one particular historian, Mario Del Valdes y Como. Um, Adam's yes. nodding like I might have got that right. Uh, who did a whole load of research and um, uh, traced back her genealogy to... Margarita de Castro y Souza, a 15th century Portuguese noblewoman. Um, and she was apparently Moorish, which um, is to say, uh, for those, uh, do you know what Moorish Isn't that means? that how English people described people from the Middle East? It was more, yes, <clears throat> northern part of Africa, mm. um, not. From the Moors? Not I, don't, from I don't know that it's from Moors. I don't know. Anyway, she was apparently Moorish, um, and there were two different lines um, of Moorish blood. And that, that word dis directly describes skin color. Directly yeah, describes. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's doesn't it? I thought when I thought when Moorish was used as an adjective, it was no Moorish was like a race. Okay. Oh, the Moors. I know Moors. That the Moors were a race. Uh, and so she was okay of Moorish descent. Okay. Like a descendant of the Moors, okay. um, uh, which isn't directly describing skin color. No. Okay. Um, it I guess could potentially be used to describe a shade of black uh -huh. skin color, but no, it's to describe a race. Okay. Uh, it's to describe a person. Um, so. It, okay. So. He, why did he go back and do this research is because if you look at some of her portraits, her face is definitely um, has some more African descent markers. Mm. And now I'm going to read some semi-racist comments, um, but they were of the time. And let's just remember that. Um, Baron Christian Friedrich Stockmar described Charlotte as small and crooked with a true mulatto face. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Uh, so Walter Scott wrote that she was ill-colored. And a prime minister wrote that her nose was too wide and her lips too thick. These people suck. <laughs> um, I am not... Advocating. I, I'm not advocating the way that they, she was described. I'm just pointing out that... These are, this is what people said. This is what people said. Um, there are definitely, if you haven't looked at pictures of her, I would suggest that you go do that. Um and then I would suggest that you bear in mind that bear, uh, that England actually, I will say that 
England had a very, um, one of the things about Bridgeton that got a lot of crap was the fact, uh, or I think a lot of credit, crap, I don't well, know, they, that they had blind casting. Blind casted. Um, actually, England was nowhere, it was a lot whiter than Bridgeton had brought it up to be, mm. but not as white as all of that. We've actually done an episode in my other podcast. I did a, um episode on um, very early black immigrants into England and how they had held huge positions of power um, and actually some of the more elaborate uh, Roman burials in England had been of um, uh, black Roman soldiers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so England had had people of color in positions of power for centuries. Yeah, well before this. Yes. And so the idea that there was... People of color in charge in England is not actually as outright crazy Mm. as it would have seemed. Mm. However, I will point out that this era is the height of slavery. Yes. So while my thing earlier on History Through House, if anyone's interested in the history of um, people of Moorish, particularly of Moorish descent in England, uh, they should go look at the History History Through House episode I did. But by this point, actually, England would have been probably at its most racist. Mm. Yeah, okay. Or or heading towards its most (laughs) racist. Um, So, yeah. Some some historians have disputed this, um, saying that nine generations between Margarita and Charlotte render any connections Mm. moot. Um, And, uh, yes. David Williamson, a former co-editor of Debrett's Peerage, says it is really so remote. In any cases, all European royal families somewhere are linked to the kings of Castile. Castel. There's a lot of Moorish blood in the Portuguese royal family, and it has diffused over the re- rest of Europe. The question is, who cares? I would suggest that probably quite a lot of people care. Mm. Um, and once Harry got married to Meghan, it, it, all of this came to the forefront again, mm-hmm. looking at that. Uh, a spokesperson for the royal family said, it has been rumoured for years and years, it's a matter of history, and frankly, we've got far more important things to talk about. Um, going to Bridgeton now, uh, a Washington Post television critic explains why this is an important question to have in this respect. Um He says, in the show, a black character stops to explain grandly how and why this society in Bridgeton came to be integrated. Answer, because the queen is a person of color. Not only does this not make much sense, it seems like an unnecessary wrench to throw into a completely insensibly revisionary romp. People of color are here because they should have always been here. Isn't that reason enough? Um, So he's arguing that um, they shouldn't, no one should be, the only reason that uh, people should be worried about the revisionist people of color in the Bridgeton thing is because um, it, they shouldn't think about it because they should have mm. been there. There should have been people in color in oh, those yeah, periods yeah, of history yeah. okay, anyway. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yep. All right. So now I've done that, uh, which I don't know. I think if you look at portraits, I would think that they probably downplayed any African features that she oh, they had. Would they would have in portraiture. Yeah. And yet, if you look at a lot of portraits of her, mm. there are definite um, markers, I would think. Mm-hmm. So go have a look for yourself. 
Um, and now we're on to the fun bits. Uh, was Queen Charlotte addicted to snuff? Because in Bridgerton, she is constantly snorting stuff. It is not cocaine, by the way, for no, those that think it's she... It's tobacco. It's tobacco. And yes, she was actually no, nicknamed Stuffy Charlotte. Very good. Um, because she would snort cocaine quite a lot. Apparently, uh, not, snuff. Snuff quite a lot. Apparently, she had headaches and she felt like it was something that helped clear her. Headache. Um, it Only because she was addicted to snuff. Yeah. It was a luxury product and a mark of refinement. And she, in fact, had an entire room at Windsor Castle dedicated to her snuff collection. Oh. So, and she had her own custom blends with like green tea in them and stuff like that in the mornings. Mm. So, yes, absolutely. 100%. Bridgerton got that right. <laughs> uh, the other thing in Bridgerton is that she is consistently surrounded by Pomeranians. Um, and in fact, she is, was a huge advocate for the Pomeranian breed. Why? When she, just like them. They're terrible. Why do we have border collies? Uh, <laughs> because uh, they're smart. Yeah, awesome. Uh, when she came to marry the king, she brought two Pomeranians with her named That's Phoebe nice. and Mercury. Ooh. Um, we do like people who like dogs, though. And she used to uh, gift Pomeranians to other members of the royal family. And her great-granddaughter, Queen Victoria, became a famous Pomeranian aficionado. Uh. Um, she bred the dogs and kept them as her near-constant companions. Um, when did it switch to corgis? I think Queen Elizabeth was the okay. first one to have corgis. Um, so she is also responsible for the Pomeranian breed being a thing. Cool. Which you can love or like her for that one, I don't know. But it is very true in Bridgeton when she's surrounded by all her poms mm. and all her ladies and waiting her poms. Um, that is absolutely 100% mm. true. So generally, I think that the only thing that Bridgeton failed to do was capture the fact that she was probably a real romantic at heart. Yeah. Um. Having been... Well, they did jump. You did say yeah. that they start the show after her husband has uh, has had his, his uh, mental health attack. Yeah. So. No, they, they definitely jumped to the point where she was regent. Yeah. Um, which would be a time in her life which would have been yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, which is I, unfortunate because it sounds like the first... Her first few years... For a long while yeah. in, in England, being married to George were actually quite pleasant. And, and happy and, and loving. beloved. Um, the only thing I will say that I think that was probably fractionally, um, she really was into gossip. Like there was a lot of letters of her writing. Even when George was sick, she'd write to him with bits of ton gossip. Mm. So she was into gossip. Yeah. She did like, she was involved in who was marrying who. I mean, still now if... You're like in the top ten to in line to the throne. The queen has to approve who you marry. Yeah. Um. So she was definitely involved in all of that. But I also read a letter where she, um, was begging to be released from doing all of these social things later in life. Um. So I think that perhaps, uh, maybe Bridgerton set in that very very small period mm -hmm. between where she began to hate all of that. Yeah. And her husband had started to go mad. Mm -hmm. So maybe that first bout of illness where it was just illness and she thought maybe he'd recover. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's slightly funky. But no, I just kind of like the fact that she's a... She's been recognized as a... Yeah, as a real character, real person. Mm -hmm. She was, by all accounts, a very good queen. Yeah. And a very good friend and wife. Mm -hmm. um, she was tough. Tell a... Dealt a tough blow. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. all her kids were pretty awful. Um, <laughs> I think she was quite an indulgent mother. Mm -hmm. um, no, it's unfair. At least her eldest son was pretty awful. Yeah, he sounds awful. Um, and I think she was, uh, but you know, um, I think she. She was had dealt a tough, a tough hand. Yeah, she did. Man, she loved. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that can 
sympathise with that. Mm -hmm. They may not be kings be and queens of England. Really difficult. But, um, yeah. To watch your husband after twenty years of marriage completely have his personality change, become dangerous, and I think a lot of people. Yeah, that resonates. I think. Yeah. All right. So that was Queen Charlotte. Okay. Okay, so we're back after taking a quick morning break. Yeah. And Adam is moving. here to tell me about something. Less involved than Princess or Queen Charlotte. Okay. Probably. A lot less involved to talk about than Princess Charlotte. Um, yeah, full Queen. disclosure, I was not prepared to record this episode this morning. Uh, I was going to be and then I wasn't. Um, so I just did a quick, I'm going to go back, do a, do a quick legendary sort of roots episode uh, and just do a legendary Greek mythology. So, in fact, totally... Unrelated. Unrelated to the idea that yeah. we're doing a pop culture yeah. one this week. Um, okay. Yes, uh, because Bridgerton's the only thing that's happening in pop culture and everyone knows that. It's um, the only thing. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Nothing else exists. Nothing else that I've witnessed, at least. Okay. Um so I'm going to just do a quick, uh, yeah, Greek mythology, uh, the tale of the Minotaur. All right. There's a king in it, so it's kind of related to, you know, there's a monarchy involved. Um, the tale of the Minotaur seems like a bit of a misnomer because it's actually the story of King Minos of Crete, um, which is widely recognized as the oldest city in Europe. Um, king Minos is reported to be the son of Zeus in Europa. So we have that very standard Greek thing. Uh, he was a powerful warrior king, powerful warrior king. Um, but he was a bit harsh and not widely liked by by the pop by his populace. Mm -hmm. No particular reason why. He just had a bit of a heavy hand, it seems. His so this was a bit confusing. So Crete was the city or Crete was the country and his castle was at called Gnosis, uh, and this is the, the famous castle that had the maze built underneath it, um, which is where the Minotaur ends up. That's where the, the maze comes from. It was built by Daedalus, uh, who is Icarus's father. That's, so we have like three stories actually tied into one here. Um, and Daedalus was a legendary engineer and architect uh, in Greek mythology, and he built like he built the labyrinth beneath Gnosis and like a few other things. Um, Are you but, just like dying better at seven o'clock this morning? Yeah, I don't feel very good. But Minos ru uh, runs afoul of Poseidon. A great white bull appears and Poseidon says, I want that as a sacrifice. And Minos thinks that the bull is too perfect of a specimen to sacrifice. So he kills another animal and Poseidon gets very angry. Um, and in order to punish Minos, he says, your wife is going to fall in love with that bull now. And so, okay. she, and so she does. And she becomes so enraptured with this bull that she has Daedalus build her an artificial cow that she can approach the bull in and she becomes pregnant after having relations with the bull and gives birth to this science. Yeah. Totally, absolutely accurate and real. Um, she becomes pregnant and gives birth to a child that has a bull head and that's where the Minotaur comes from. Oh, okay. Minos gets so angry at this as I think maybe reasonably. Yeah, it would be kind of annoyed. Yeah. Um, so he imprisons Daedalus and his son, but this proves to be a futile sort of venture because Daedalus is this brilliant engineer and he builds the wax wings to escape from the tower. He and his son fly out. Icarus flies too close to the sun despite his father's warnings. The wax melts and Icarus plunges into the sea and dies. Plus, you respect your parents. Because you can't have... You can't have 
a Greek tragedy without having so much tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Daedalus like flees to Greece uh, into Greece and sort of goes yeah. into hiding. Um, and Minos, obviously not super pleased with the escape, uh, tries to find him. And the way that he finds him is, it's very strange, but like most Greek myths, just super odd. Um, there's a, a shell, a particular spiraled shell. Okay. And they call it the Triton shell. Okay. Um, yeah. And Mino says, the greatest engineer will be able to wind a string from the entrance to the exit of the shell. Okay. And apparently this was thought to be impossible because of how tightly coiled the shell okay. is sort of constructed, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense because thread is an incredibly malleable thing. And if you just push it, it will sort of form to the shape of whatever you're pushing it through. But Daedalus, apparently, despite being in hiding from this mad king, decides that he's his, like, ego gets the better of him. And so he shows up in disguise, ties the string to an ant. There's a lot. Yes, and the ant crawls through the shell and pulls the string out the other side. And Minos goes, hey, no one could think of that except for Daedalus. So I found you, um, but he escaped again anyway. Okay. Um, and during all of this time, the Minotaur continues to sort of grow and it becomes this horrible flesh eating monster. Um, and in order to keep people safe, Minos traps it in the labyrinth beneath his castle. Cause what else are you going to do with a maze beneath your castle? Okay. Um, at this time, Crete and Athens were at war. Mm-hmm. Um, and Minos's oldest son is killed by the Athenians in a battle and he is so angry and so enraged by this that he orders that every nine years, 14 Athenian children would be brought to the labyrinth and forced to basically run through the labyrinth. And if you kill the Minotaur, like, you can escape. But they're... Okay. They're, this is just his, like, revenge on the Athenians okay. idea. Um, prince Theseus, who was a prin- the prince of Athens at the time... Um, is so is disgusted by this and says, "Well, I'll the sacrificing the small children yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> to a, to a flesh eating monster." Yeah. Um, so he volunteers to go battle the Minotaur. When he arrives in Crete, Ariadne, the eldest daughter of Minos, okay. sees him from the ship and falls deeply in love with him. Um, and cool. so she gives him some magic twine, which he uses to like Hansel and Gretel. The golden thread. Yeah, he winds it yeah. to the center of the of the maze, kills the Minotaur, and then can follow the twine back to the yeah. uh, back out of the maze. So he kills the Minotaur and takes her with him back to Athens on nice. his ship. Um, but decides on the way back that he doesn't want to marry her and abandons her on an island. Okay. Which Good man. makes her incredibly... This is just a story of people progressively getting more and more angry at each other. Uh, with legitimate reason yeah. in some of these ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, being abandoned on an <laughs> island after you... Yeah, I'm After you save someone's life. Yeah. So Ariadne is abandoned on this island, and she prays to Dionysus, who marries her on the spot, and agrees to help her get vengeance on her, on her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do this by making Theseus forget to announce that he had survived on his approach to Athens. So when he left, his father, King Aegean, said, sail out with black sails, and when you come back, if my son has survived, fly white sails. And then that way I know how to compose myself. 
And so on the way back, all Dionysus does is he makes Theseus forget to change the color of his sails. Okay. And the king is so upset that, and without even checking the boat, just throws himself off of the cliff into the sea. Lots of people falling into the sea. Yeah, making, of course, then the prince king. Yes, so then Theseus is the king and his father is dead. So there's a bit of the bit of yeah. Greek tragedy there. But it doesn't end there. Um, he marries again a woman named Hippolyte. And they have a son who they named Hippolytus, and he loves his son a lot, um, but his wife dies. And so he gets married again to Phaedra, okay. who's the second daughter of King Minos. Okay, first, okay, didn't learn a lesson with the first no, one. No, of course, right. as you don't. Um, and she doesn't like their relationship. She doesn't like how close he is to his son. Okay. And so she tells Theseus that Hippolytus tried to hurt her. And so Theseus prays to Poseidon to punish his son, because mm-hmm. you can't do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go to the extreme. Yeah. yeah, And so the, uh, Hippolytus is out on a chariot with his horses, and Poseidon causes a, a wave to crash uh, in front of the chariot, and it, the horses break, and Hippolytus is thrown from the chariot and killed. Okay. Of course, Theseus finds out that Phaedra was, lied to him yeah. and is so wrathful that she hangs herself in order to escape his anger and his fury. Okay. Um, and that's the whole story. Wow, that's a lot of death. Yeah, and quick. lots of people falling <laughs> into the sea. Lots of death. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I just wanted to do a quick a quick sort of Greek Greek recap okay. thing. I like um, it. Because uh, I like the Minotaur story. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize that, like, the Icarus story was sort of tied into it. I don't think. No. Um, well, yeah. I knew is a crystal too close to the Yeah, sun. and it's like, that's like a... And his wings melted. And it must have just been like one of those stories where they kind of just toss a bunch of lessons into it. I'm not sure what the lesson is like with the son getting killed by Poseidon on the chariot. That, yeah, that seems to be like an unfortunate... Don't believe circum- your second wife. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't leave your first wife on an island. Uh, yeah. And then don't marry her sister yeah. for, the third, for the third wife. Yeah. Um, I and think then that, don't believe her and kill your son. Yeah, I think that's... Maybe just don't kill your son just based on someone's... Yeah, yeah. Always word. believe your son. Never believe your wife. <laughs> and that is the lesson we're leaving <laughs> you with today on The Legendary Dales. Yeah, with starting with great feminist uh, Queen Charlotte and ending with never believe your wife. wife. Don't kill your son. Never kill your son. <laughs> um, one of those is a valid lesson. Yes, and we'll leave you to decide which yes, one it is. Yes, yes. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to Legendary Tales. Yeah. As always. Rate and review mm-hmm. us. And thank you, Beth, for the corrections corner stuff. I really yep. appreciate it. And if I've mispronounced anything this episode... Uh, let me know. And I don't want to know. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here for days. Yeah, because I will sit here and learn how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> and you can't make And me. I haven't got the time. <laughs> or the energy. Or the energy. I have a house to build. Oh. Um, if you don't follow us on Instagram, do it. Yes, and the legendary tells check out our stories because apparently we're doing polls there now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you haven't been on the website, you can actually submit stuff and topics you want us to cover. Kind of a copyright claim. <laughs> That's my ringtone, guys. Who who knows where that's from? Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah. Rate review. Rate review. Go to the website. Send Listen us a stories. DM. Bye. Bye.